0: welcome to another edition of monster island radio i'm ben and as usual i'm joined by the ever enigmatic (laughs) it's me graham
1: hello mr question mark they call me in some
0: circles or riddler whatever you like well well. you know depending (laughs) yeah uh so today we are talking about mothra 1961 yes as well as the well sort of as well as the uh 1962 american dub mm. kind of not really a, a not distinct really.
1: version in the same way that um you know raids and king Kong versus have like these other edits mothra is more or less would you say the same in in japanese and american edits we've given a few minutes here or there
0: yeah pretty much mm. um so yeah i think uh i think we should do a, a little bit of housekeeping before we yes. get started because like why
1: are we doing them this order basically yeah right? so we've yeah. been
0: pretty negligent in explaining any of this so anyone listening is probably like they have no idea what we're going to talk about next which right. is uh sorry about that <laughs> if um, anybody's bothered you know, <laughs> sort of jumping around all over the place um so what we're doing at we are going through the showa godzilla films in order but whenever he shares the spotlight with another kaiju like kong or mothra
1: a pre-existing monster
0: yep we're going to make sure to cover their respective debut film beforehand. Mm. So, I mean, uh, last time we did King Kong versus Godzilla. So before that, we made sure to cover King Kong 1933. Now we're covering Mothra 1961 as it's her debut film before we get on to Mothra versus Godzilla next. Mm. Um, And then, and so on. You you get the idea.
1: Some people might prefer to watch these movies in the order they were released, but we are sort of fixating on the Showa era as as it exists for Godzilla, right? So yeah. we're we're taking that as our lead. So even though this was actually released before King Kong versus Godzilla, in sort of our viewing of Showa, it's only relevant to watch Mothra now. If we'd watched Mothra when it came out, we then wouldn't get to, you know, the, the versus action between them and Godzilla until later. So we wanted to keep the episode sort of close together.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um so I hope that explains it for everyone. Um, Okay, so yeah, Mothra. Um, so unsurprisingly, this is directed by Ashiro Honda, or Inoshiro Honda, if you look at the American <laughs> translation. Uh, they get his name wrong in the credits, which is nice. Um, and we have Eiji Tsuburaya on special effects again. Uh, and then we have this screenplay written by Shinichi Sekizawa. So he did King Kong versus Godzilla after this. So this was his first screenplay for um, for Toho. So this is kind of like the the holy trinity for uh, uh, Godzilla movies in Toho.
1: Hmm. Um, the brain trust, even.
0: The brain trust. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We'll go with it. Um, yeah. So let's have a little recap. Oh, God, this is long. Oh, God, I keep doing this. Okay. <laughs> anyway. You, you'll have to pull quite up, quite it. a bit
1: happens in this one, to be fair. It does, it does. Like King Kong vs Godzilla is pretty A to B movie, I'd argue, but this one, dare I say, it, has a narrative. Yes, it does.
0: So let's have the synopsis. Okay, here we go. So a shipping vessel gets swept up in a storm somewhere off the coast of Japan, and its survivors are stranded stranded on the uninhabited, irradiated, infant island, or in the American dub, it's called uh, Beiru Island. Um, and this is an island that the Relisican government had previously used for nuclear testing, as it was uninhabited. The fictional country the of The fictional country. Um, so the the survivors are saved by a Japanese rescue team, and then rehabilitated by a team of scientists who wonder how it's even possible that they survived on such a radioactive island. As it turns out, they'd been given a red juice by island natives that lived there, and that protected them from the radiation. Um, amongst the team of scientists are two reporters for the Nitto Press, incognito. Uh, I mean, they were incognito until uh, the photographer Michi Hanamura uh, whips t- out a camera. <laughs> camera, takes a picture of the survivors, um, and then reveals that she and reporter Zen Fukuda are there to cover the story. Um, the report is then published, which then prompts the Reliscan co- government to deny knowledge of there ever being any inhabitants. Uh, then a joint Japanese and Relisican expedition is put together to find out about the natives and how they live there. Uh, the expedition is led by the Relisican Clark Nelson, uh, and it includes the uh, uh, Japanese anthropologist and linguist Shinichi Chujo. Nitto reporter Fukuda stows away on the expedition and, once discovered, ends up joining them to get a story about the island. Um, although they they tell him not to, so he's just there as security. Um, yeah,
1: they ask him politely, like, yeah, we know you came here undercover as a, as a reporter, but, like, don't do any reporting. Exactly. Which, of course, he does. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a
0: reporter. That's what I would do. <laughs> um, he doesn't, though, does he? Oh, we'll get into that. We'll get into it. Um, uh, so, yeah, once there, the team discover these strange glyphs on the island. Which Shinichi determines later on that uh, that they are a symbol for a symbol for Mothra. Mm-hmm. Um, they also find some some natives there and two small women or fairies called the Shobijin, who convey that they want their um, their island and the natives to be spared any further nuclear testing. Pretty
1: um, reasonable
0: request, I would say. So yeah, uh, the team agree to keep it secret from the world and intend to leave the island, but. Clark Nelson he has other plans Uh, as it turns out the Riliskan government had okayed the expedition but only because Nelson agreed to front the money so he returns to kidnap the Shobujin and then showcase them in Tokyo for profit
1: to make a return on his investment in the expedition
0: presumably as a result the island natives perform a ritual to the giant Mothra egg on the island while in parallel the Shobujin who are now in Tokyo sing a song to awaken her a real book banger. Absolute <laughs> banger. Um, she hatches and makes uh, makes her way to Tokyo to rescue them. The Shobujin then tells Shinichi and co. that Mothra is coming and will destroy everything in her path in order to get them back. When she makes landfall in Tokyo, she cocoons herself on Tokyo Tower in preparation for her imago form to take back the Shobujin. The public then turn on Nelson and demand that he release them back to Mothra to stop the onslaught, but instead he absconds to Newkirk City, which is the capital of Reliska. Um, with the Shobujin into uh ultimately drawing Mothra to their location causing her to de- to destroy much of the city in the process uh, Nelson panics and he tries to escape the police and ultimately dies in a shootout where the Shobujin are then subsequently left in Shinichi's care. so then team Shinichi then get the idea to paint a giant Mothra symbol based on the infant island glyphs on an airfield to lure Mothra safely there and return the Shobujin once returned, Mothra flies away, and everyone who didn't die lived happily ever after. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, yeah, uh, this was this was your first watch, right, of Mothra? That's right. I'd never
1: seen Mothra before, and I would say that I quite enjoyed it, um, all all for the fact of one very obvious and glaring recurrent theme, <laughs> <laughs> which is. <laughs> An excessive amount of painted face or blackface in this, this movie.
0: This might be the most we've seen.
1: Exactly, and I know that you know um, we have, as we've commented before, we view these movies as historical artifacts, and we have no uh, interest in edited art. We we think that things should stay as they are uh, in the time that they're made as a piece of history. And I think that still, Mothra can be entertain- can be viewed as entertainment, even with this caveat that it has an excessive amount of. Um, you know, fair-skinned Asian people painted up to basically look black. I guess they could be like seen as uh, oceanic or Polynesian, but it's this sort of neglecting, uh, it's culturally insensitive is basically what it is. Oh yeah, completely. Um, Even though they're a fictional group of people, they, they still sort of go to this length to... Um, invest in the stereotypical mysticism of a tribal group, which is sort of unfortunate in a way because I think that of all the kaiju movies we've watched in, in recent times and of the Showa era stuff that I've seen already, I think this was one of the more robust movies um, I was actually really, I really enjoyed it overall. I thought the narrative was really good. I really liked the characters. The humour in it is is still strong, even with its age. Some of the effects maybe not the equal of a couple of other films, but it's great seeing Mothra, like, you know, in, in her original appearance. Um, so, yeah, that was the kind of the thing where you, where I don't want to kind of uh, sort of tarnish the movie or, or overshadow the rest of our discussion with it, but that's the kind of the takeaway from it is that coming to this as we sort of talked about before i think it's fair to put a kind of a a caution in front of it that depending on your sensitivities or who you're watching with you should be aware that a large part of the movie features painted face or blackface characters and it's a bit uncomfortable even though it is a very well made and enjoyable movie in other respects
0: the yeah the uh, the dark makeup is <laughs> what well, i don't i don't know what's worse the fact it's so badly done as well like, yeah. it looks like yeah. they've just like almost like finger painting to cover themselves and make themselves darker so it's like that's, they didn't even yeah. didn't even put effort into as I, a
1: craft it's not very convincing yeah
0: yeah it sounds weird to say oh they should have done better blackface that's not <laughs> that's not, not what i'm saying it's just, it's a total lack of regard in every way. I know what you mean, though. It just doesn't look like, doesn't look like, doesn't look like a skin tone at all. No, it's just awful. It looks like a really streaky tan. It
1: looks like paint, yeah. yeah it's awful. just like, well, as we said Why with, with bother? King Kong versus Godzilla, yeah, like, could they not just look exactly the same? And do face paint in the way that you might just do a bit of wall paint, you know? Just paint, like, a couple of reds. Brown green stripes on their face. To be like, oh, culturally, just, they have some sort of yeah. communication here. They're a tribe. Yeah. Or um, well, I, I thought when the show Shöber twi- twins first turned up, I was like, oh, maybe all the natives are going to be small because, yeah. like I said, I've not seen you this before. Assume, you? And I was like, and then they never really bothered to explain why those two women are small and the rest of the people aren't. Um, but I, yeah, I, I mean, with that aside, and certainly Mothra is not the most aggressive example of culture insensitivity or racism in old, an old movie at all um it's still like a very well written story i think and you know it has other, other redeeming features fortunately so it's just kind of a shame yeah. and sort of a caution that i think i would want to put up front um i know usually we get to the recommendation at the end and we will do mm. but just like
0: uh yeah it's a bit much honestly yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's probably the worst example. But you've um, seen
1: this many times before, I guess. And Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times yeah, before, yeah.
0: yeah. So, yeah, consider it a PSA because the box does not tell you that this is in it. What's the company? Cinema something? Uh, Eureka. Eureka. Cinema. Eureka. Yeah. Have, as far
1: as I can tell, made no effort to say, like, oh, this is culturally insensitive based on the, you know, the standards of the day, but here it is presented as is, as a work of art and that's all <laughs> i think they should say and, yeah um so yeah mothra has has blackface in it and it's unfortunate but did i enjoy it i think with that major detractor noted yeah i did
0: okay and i <laughs> guess you'd say the same right <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah um so how this film uh, came about there was a so the, one of the producers for Toho, Tomoyuki Tanaka, mm. he hired a bunch of writers to come up with a kaiju and a story. Right. Um, so it'd then be written as a book and then it was serialised into a Japanese magazine. This is quite common because... Um, is it? This is what I was going to yeah. ask. This is like I was like, is this a thing? I know like serialising stories is a thing, but to co- be like, okay, we're going to come up with a... We want to we do a film, but mm-hmm. make a book first. Is it like, do they want to see how well it fares with audiences before they take the plunge? I don't know.
1: I don't know if this is historically as broad a a convention as i'm as i might make it out to be but i do know that when they made lady and the tramp the animated disney movie yeah. walt disney commissioned a novelization of it before it came out so that when the movie released it would feel like a more legitimate film because they could say it's based on this
0: book oh but, they did the same they wanted to do the same with king kong 33 and i think i think that, the book came out after in the end
1: and you get novelizations of like oh here's a novelization of like star wars episode three, three revenge of the Sith, and it's yeah. like who, who's gonna read that but People i think it, do. There,
0: there is a market for that it's quite a, a niche market but i think yeah. it
1: is it has uh, got a foundation in an old-fashioned notion that the book <laughs> makes the films feel more justified it's quite funny
0: is my i have the first movie novelization i ever got was of godzilla 98 <laughs> <laughs> and i think it might have been the last we should do a read-along yeah, yeah we
1: should get that and do an episode just on that <laughs> i've read the novelization of a new hope and it was
0: so tedious well yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, in the, in the book, like, cause you were like, you were wondering about the, um, you know, why are they small? Why is there right, only two right. small people? So the, there was a lot of stuff in there that was stripped out in the, in the movie. Naturally, so there was, yeah yeah, there were these Island gods and one of them killed themselves. And then the other one, she killed herself and like tore herself up into four pieces. Oh. And those four pieces became four fairies, um, which then it got, knocked down to two for the film just because it seemed better so mm. they, they are basically they are like i suppose mini goddesses so and that's
1: why they look alike because they're supposed to be part of the same like yeah. person that's sort of yeah. such
0: a great concept yeah it's cool isn't it yeah um i've not been able to i tried to see if there was an english translation of the book and there isn't one as far as i can see if someone mm-hmm. knows of one that if if there is one please let us know because I, I would love to read it um but i've not found one yet so um, but yeah it was uh, I thought that was quite cool but um, yeah so I th- I think it was good that you know a lot of that was stripped back because you know there's a there's a lot of elements in this film uh, and it's n- but it's not like overly convoluted or contrived like in King Kong versus Godzilla with like with the string and stuff like that you know there's no. lots, of, lots of contrivances but in this film there's doesn't to my eye there's not really any of that you know it's pretty s- straightforward uh, despite the amount of you know elements that are within the film there's
1: a little bit of back and forth where it's like they go to the island and then they go to the island again that's a bit those sort of things are very typical of these show era movies which is like could we save some time
0: Um, yeah because like you could be like oh wait i thought they just left the island why are they back yeah it's repetitive in a way that's like
1: what are we doing Mm -hmm. but it does almost seem to deliberately or not use king kong as a framework because they go to this island, they kidnap the Shubhajin the twins, they put on a show, and in this story it's the catalyst for Mothra coming and, and causing the havoc, whereas in King Kong they, they take King Kong and then the havoc yeah. happens. It's like, well, that's why I think in some ways this movie feels a lot more robust, because it's kind of a refinement of King Kong. And yeah. I, like we said, we think King Kong is an undeniable classic, but we also lamented that the film crew who become the catalysts for all of the, King Kong's destruction... Aren't villainized at all, mm. and in this movie, the, you know, the people who bring back um, the Shobujin twins. So, yeah, like Clark Nelson becomes a, a the villain, and that's that's how the f- um, what's the character's name in King Kong? I can't remember that now, uh, um, Denim. Denim is not really s- villainized in King Kong, and that was our frustration. It's like this guy should be pick up the check for all this. So, I, I kind of do see it as, as inspired and also kind of refining King Kong's plot yeah i mean bit.
0: Sekizawa. i mean he he's said as much like, oh really he, yeah like he was following the same beats as king kong and godzilla 54 so uh, it's kind of like an amalgam of the two really yeah um it, it which makes is a sense yeah it makes perfect sense especially yeah, if you're introducing a new uh kaiju you know you you wanted to get it right straight away so it's like why not follow those same beats you know they, they've been proven to work may as well do it right yeah, um, it still
1: does feel quite original because the mm. Shobujin twins themselves are, are very unique at this point. Um, Mothra's nothing like Godzilla or King Kong, either in appearance or characterization. And their motivations are purely like, I've like been called upon to protect these specific goddesses. I'm gonna, and that's like not part of those movies at all. So it manages mm. to use some of the DNA from that stuff without just being like the same thing, which is yeah. ironic because. We're already seeing in this movie, like, oh, they go to this island and there's special juice. And in Mothra (laughs) and King Kong versus Godzilla, like, there's special juice on an island, and that's like, I'm I'm starting to pick up from um, these movies that we're going to be seeing a lot of that actually. That there's going to be a lot of special juices in these films.
0: It's funny because I can, when we, I mean, I'd I'd seen King Kong, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, and then after that, I'd seen Mothra years later and I, I forgot about the juice being mm. in King Kong vs. Godzilla. And then when we rewatch King Kong vs. Godzilla, I forgot about the juice in Mothra because it had been a while. Well, the, the and then ju- coming back again, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, they've recycled it into King Kong vs. Godzilla. It makes a lot more sense in Mothra,
1: but it's it's way more of a central plot element in King Kong vs. Godzilla. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's weird where it's just like, we need to talk about this juice. And I got this a, a bit off the audio commentary for, for Mothra on this release where they talk about oh, they're going to, you know, come back to this juice again. And they'd named a few movies. And I was just like, wow, the show here is just going to be like flipping juice It's weird. Yeah. So we're going to, the more we cover it, and this is where it's good to pop out and do King Kong and E-Mothra and then we'll probably do Rodan, right? And we're going to have a bit of a yeah. break. Well, yeah. I think Rodan might have the magic juice in it.
0: <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> I've not seen Rodan. I before, don't know, I know if it does actually, to be honest. This is why it's good to do these, though, because I've been so purely a Godzilla fan in the past, yeah. and I haven't watched Mothra, I haven't watched Rodan, so we're going to get to that.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, what you're saying, like, you know, when, uh, well, you know, it kind of mirrors the same same beats as King Kong and mm. stuff like that, but the way it does refine it is, it's, it's much more uh, simplified, I think. So there's a little less room for nuance. Like, you could kind of infer... The villainy of Carl Denham and that team and stuff like that, but this is very much, Realisica. Oh, you know, I see what Reli- you're saying, yeah. yeah, like Realistica is bad. Uh, the, you know, Shinichi and you know, the Nitto Nito Press. Like they're the good guys. You know, very much Japan good, Realistica bad, and then like, um, Infant Island. They're they're kind of neutral essentially.
1: If, we, if you look at Godzilla Fifty Four, like the original, that has a nice amount of character ambiguity between. I prefer that. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. There's one there's one group saying we should kill Godzilla and the one group saying that we aren't but then they also have their own story a, mm. like there's a love triangle and there's a father daughter thing and there's the the what the would be son-in-law relationship so they are they're not purely good and bad are they it's like well mm. is it, you can decide as an audience member like kill Godzilla or don't kill Godzilla and and that is fun whereas in King Kong the ambiguity is seemingly there just through a lack of <laughs> initiative on the screenplay just like well Carl Dellum's a film director and we wouldn't want to villainize a film director would we whilst yeah. we're directing a movie yep. and yet, yeah like you say, like Mothra simplifies it and even though I really love Godzilla 54 I think if I had to choose um, between uh, inviting ambiguity or a complete lack of specificity I would choose the Mothra way of just saying like can we have a villain can we have a, yeah. an actual villain I, yeah. I want to kind of have the simple thing and I you know, it, it's, it's nice gen- when you get something like 54 Guzza, which is well executed in, in that complexity, but it's so rare. Um, you that's know.
0: that's the problem, isn't it? It's like mm-hmm. it doesn't always work. So uh, having that, it's, it's, having it simplified like this is generally, generally more entertaining.
1: Yeah, sort of like one or the other would be the best-case scenario. Like, can I flip-flop between some heady stuff and some fun popcorn stuff? Mm. And I don't like it when the popcorn stuff is just like, well, we're not going to commit to anything specifically. And some of the Millennium Era stuff is like that. It's just like, what's really... (laughs) It is very cartoony-like, you know, moustache-twirling villainy sometimes, but even Mm. so, it's it's never that emotive for a viewer, I think. I, I prefer this was just like, oh, this guy is bad. He's yeah. stolen he's stolen these little women and he's making them sing songs. Like, don't like him. Come on, let's sort it out. And I really like I really liked uh, Fakuda. Yeah. As a character because mm. he was like this heroic sort of like not reluctant hero but like this guy's sort of he's not he, he's not a, a soldier, he's not like a action guy. He's just a reporter. He's like a comedy character. Like the actor's a comedy actor, right? Mm. Um and then he becomes sort of like the de facto sort of I'm going to save these little ladies and, and get this whole mothra situation sorted out. And I was like, this is a good story because this character is, um, you know, obviously he's like simplistically good, but it, it's also interesting to see him sort of in a situation which isn't his actual vocation, you know? Mm. So I like that. He's not a scientist. He's not a, a soldier. He's not like a, a Godzilla Defense Force warrior that like you might see in Millennium. It's like an actual character that's sort of separate from... the the specific problem of the movie and so often it feels like the characters are just created to deal with a problem which has also been created there's no kind of drama catalyst there and that does have this a bit Mm,
0: yeah so yeah the characters we've got zen zen Fukuda, yes. so that that's played by frankie Sakai. um yeah so yeah he was he is a comedian in japan isn't he as i understand it Uh, that's that's what i yeah that's what i thought um i mean my knowledge of 50s and 60s. Japanese comedians is pretty sparse. No, so. we're not a cinema historians we're,
1: we're Godzilla fans. So, you know, we're picking up what we are from um,
0: these movies. But his, uh, I think, yeah, his his role is probably one of the best that I've seen in a Godzilla film. He's fantastic. Like his, his, yeah. his He does the comedy right. Not like like he's hilarious or anything, but it's just, some of it's actually quite subtle. Um, but the way he he can play it straight, mm. he can do the funny bits, and it's like i feel like it's quite um i don't know it's just it's just really really good it feels i know natural. that's so, yeah, it he's feels talented, natural basically isn't it he's yeah. a very talented guy his um i really liked his like when he's kind of playing it straight like his hatred of clark nelson <laughs> was great i like obviously no one liked that guy but his his particular distaste of him i really enjoyed watching um and i found like cuz i watched it a couple of times again he gets better with rewatches. And I think generally the film gets better as you rewatch it. Cause you can see just like little, just little actions he performs throughout the film um, that you probably wouldn't spot the first time around. Like when they're with the scientists and they're at incognito, you can see him sort of signaling to uh, Mitchy to like take a picture, which I didn't spot the first two times I'd seen it, but like seeing it again, you can kind of just see all these little things that he's doing. It's um, And like when when they realize they have to love what they, they say later on towards the end, like, oh, we need to pray to God that it all works out kind of thing. Um, he does like the, you know, the father, son, Holy Spirit s- symbol on himself, but he doesn't know how to do it. So he's just sort of like pointing in different directions. <laughs> and it's like those little things. I think that's probably his, um his own flair. his own elevating flair material, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, absolutely made for one of the best Godzilla characters, really um yeah so we also have yeah uh michi hanamura who's played by kyoko kagawa so she's the photographer for nito press a rare um,
1: example of an actual female character
0: an actual character she's <laughs> she's she's great she's like she's crafty not in a not in a sneaky duplicitous no. kind of way um and you know she can hold her own what i found you know and especially working with someone like a character like zen zen Fukuda, you know who's mm. quite um feisty i suppose um you know she she's she could you know she stands up against him i think perfectly well and i think yeah just a a, a good character and like you say yeah, a good female character which is not that common throughout some of the films we've seen so
1: no they're usually just the damsel in distress or they're there as a sort of a nagging irritation on the men pretty much and I mean, even she... when we think they're well performed or we like the character it's like they're not a great representation and yeah she has her own role and her own agency in this which is good yeah. The I only thing sh- I didn't like about her was that she seemed to have a very small secret camera that she only used after her big unmistakable huge camera got spotted. And It's just like yeah. just use the secret camera first. <laughs> but yeah, she's good. I liked
0: her. Um, yeah, and I don't think she was there. T- I don't think she screamed once, did she? She's not really there as a love interest or as not a there as somebody a love- to get. Not at all. S- she doesn't get
1: kidnapped no. or anything like that. Um, I think the only yeah. thing
0: that happens is like they take her camera off her. Which is and a natural sort of reporter which is, sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. great character, really good. Um, and then we have uh, Shinichi Chujo, the the linguist. So he's played by Hiroshu, uh, Hiroshi Hiroshi Kozumi. So he was in Godzilla Raids Again. He was the fiance in Godzilla Raids Again. Yeah. yeah. Um, he is he's like my favorite um, Godzilla actor because I think he's just he's so handsome. <laughs> I, absolutely, I absolutely love this guy. Um, And he, if you can cast your mind back to when we covered Tokyo SOS. Oh, yes, yes, he he returns. He returns. It was
1: a quiz question, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, was it? (laughs) At some point or another, which I did not get correct. Oh, dude. Um, Um,
0: I I seem to remember saying to you that it's worth watching Mothra and then Tokyo SOS back Mm. to back. Well, maybe not back to back, but, you know, one after the other, um, because that acts as a really good sequel to Mothra. So I'd still recommend doing that because, um, yeah, you know, it, it follows on. There's a whole uh,
1: sequence where he but he sets out the school chairs with the with the people to attract Mofa basically, and they used the Mofa symbol, don't they, in this yeah. courtyard and yep. yeah.
0: It's such a great sequel to this uh, to this film, um, despite some of the negative things we said about it. <laughs> uh, we've got who else have we got? We've got uh, Sadakatsu Um who's played by takashi shimura so he's the nitto editor so he's that's um he was in godzilla 54 and Mm. raids again as yamane
1: looks very different without a mustache right
0: yeah it took me a while to recognize him yeah um and he's he's basically just j jonah jameson in in this (laughs) well
1: nicer than that i suppose
0: oh yeah much nicer i think he's yeah he's, he's a nice character um I mean, he doesn't really have that big of a role, really. I think a lot of the returning cast have actually quite small roles. Like one of them is, one of the doctors is, um, you know, Patches from 54. Um, what's his name? Seret Serizawa. And then we have uh, Clark Nelson, who's played by Jerry Ito. So when I first saw him, I was like, he looks like Mr. Bean crosses <laughs> with Steve Buscemi. Oh my God. What <laughs> an awful thing to say. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's your, as you're saying, mustache twirling villain. Yeah, yeah. al- almost Almost cartoon level villainy. Um, Scooby Doo esque. Scooby Doo esque. There's that bit right before he gets shot where he, like, he literally grabs a cane from an old man for some <laughs> unknown reason. I don't know why, but he's going like, out and
1: you need to do the one few things. Like,
0: w- one final bad guy thing. It's on his bucket list, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I
1: always wanted to do this.
0: <laughs> um, so yeah, he goes rogue. He steals the show, but for profit. Everyone hates him as a result. Yeah. I, right level of entertaining villainy for me. It was like, he's, he's totally unlikable without it being completely farcical.
1: Yeah, if you're going to go cartoony, then do it fun. Yeah. There's a, there's a way to do it where it's very grown. Someone just like too cartoony where it becomes like boring. But the actor seems to have a certain amount of fun with it. Um, I heard from the audio commentary that he did all his lines phonetically because he doesn't speak Japanese. Yeah. Um. So I think given that he did quite well, and I think it, it's it's working. So yeah. I mean, obviously, I guess if we were native Japanese speakers, we might listen to it and think this guy's terrible. Because we're, quite... we're reading the subtitles, right? So we maybe yeah. not hearing that it's so obviously phonetic,
0: but... I think he speaks quite slowly, but I thought that was just because he was trying to sound like a, you know, very purposeful and He's evil. very evil man. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, as we're saying, yeah, kind of, he mirrors Carl Denham in King Kong. With the correct characterization. But With the correct characterization, <laughs> the correct character- characterization yeah, exactly. Um, and even to the point where... You know he he's yeah you know, he's taking something from an island to then showcase it, mm. except rather than showing something huge, he's showing something tiny, you know the the two show and the
1: in King Kong when they go to this sort of Broadway stage performance of King Kong, it's like what they're just gonna look at this guy,
0: yeah, he's, he's <laughs> on a huge
1: stage to look at in this one, they have them perform a song, but yeah. could, but paradoxically and in contrast to King Kong, it's like nobody's gonna see them. No nobody can see the little ladies that are singing it's you can, like completely... you could put
0: two barbie dolls there and have music playing and no one would know it would be know. much
1: better as a tv show for the for for all of it really or king kong should be in like a public outdoor space where you can see, like, a 360 view, like Mm. a zoo, basically, right? It should be in a zoo, a massive fucking zoo. (laughs) And then the show with Jin Twin should be on, like, a TV show with, like, a
0: small studio audience, but either way, it doesn't matter. It's just dumb. It's just silly. He wouldn't have got the money, though. Oh, no. I suppose he would have advertising. Yeah, and
1: then reruns and, like, you know, you get your residuals. (laughs) Come
0: on. Um, So, yeah, when they're they're performing, actually... um, they cut to like that first song they perform the the mothra song they uh-huh. they cut to the island as well where they're doing like a dance
1: and it's sort of like there's a there's a connection they're sort of hearing not literally but they're getting the message from the music so you get that yeah, yeah. I,
0: I wonder if like cuz this is kind of going into the lore of mothra but i think mm. um i wonder if the dance that they do is because there's a there's like a male and a female um uh character God. They they dance together and it's it's almost like a mating ritual and I wonder if they're doing a dance based off the the gods that were that had, that were in the book yes perhaps but, I mean and I was like oh that's quite cool because you know if if that's the thing you know there's paid attention to some of the lore there but it's frustrating because I really want to read the book I want to know if that's if my <laughs> my assumption is correct but well, I have no idea um, but yeah we also have the Shobujin. the peanuts so the peanuts as their <laughs> singing duo is called in japan so yumi and emi eto uh yeah they're they're popular in japan at the time um and they're kind of the main character mm, they're
1: a big draw ki- ki- at ki- the very least you know yeah i yeah. characters might be stretching it because they never really have a proper like sort of i don't know not characterized as such other they're sort of symbolic the deities That's are very true. simple sort of yeah yeah that's true um, but they are sort of like the main focal point all of the drama is, is happens because of them being taken somewhere or them singing a song or them being rescued or them going to um, where is it some what's the foreign country called uh, the, the made up place oh Rilisica Rilisica the the sort of you know where where are we sort of country
0: yeah so the composer for this it was gonna be Akira Akira Ifukube Mm-hmm. But he refused because he didn't feel like he would be able to do a song uh, that would do justice to to the peanuts and to Mothra. <laughs> so they gave it to this other guy, um, Yuji Koseki. Right. And uh, so for this film, they they wanted a kind of Disney vibe to it. Oh, right. And I that's evident really by the music. Um, hmm. You know, you've got you've got the Mothra song is is kind of the big draw. And it's weird to have a sing-along song, almost, tied to a character. Like, you know, tied to a kaiju. It doesn't happen with any other monster. It's quite unique. yeah. It's even, so yeah. unique to Mothra. I, as far as I'm aware, it hasn't been bested. And I don't think anyone's <laughs> tried doing it again. Now, um, are we going to get, like,
1: the remix version in the modern Monsterverse movies, though? They have.
0: Yeah, they did in King of the Monsters.
1: But did they sing a the song? It was the lyrics. Oh, sorry. No, no. It's just the... On the no, score. When are we gonna get like the Billy Eilish version? <laughs> is what I'm saying. Like, is Taylor Swift not available? Lizzo, help oh, us out. Lizzo one would be great. Exactly, right?
0: Um yeah, so uh <laughs> <laughs> That would be amazing. Oh my goodness. Um yeah, so yeah, having music, um cues for characters, uh-huh. yeah, it's common. You know, you got one for Godzilla. Yeah, I think all of them have one. Yeah, we're both a big fan of
1: musically directed yes. enjoyment in movies, especially these kind of films. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. Love a good theme. But
0: to have an actual song, like a catchy pop ballad almost, mm. it's just like, it's yeah. I'd say it's
1: catchy, but I don't know if the, the, some of the songs, I mean, it's just the one song, I guess, right? There are a couple. Mm, the main one that they sing is quite morose in a way, where they're just like, oh, you know, they, they sound sorrowful. Yeah. So I don't know if I'd be like popping it on for a a, a sneaky listen uh, so much, but I'm going to need to re-hear the more upbeat one to kind of make that connection myself. I wouldn't have thought that about Disney or or Disney as an inspiration without you saying so.
0: Uh, Are you saying that there was a more catchy one?
1: I don't know. I can't remember that there was. to no, no, I I liked the catchy that song that yeah. I can recall, but it wasn't like a, a a fun, happy tune the way you might get like an "I Want" song in Disney, followed by like mm. a reprise and then a like a I guess I've got what I want. Yeah, well, I think it, I think
0: it was Disney esque without you know, you know to have a to have a musical element. So what, anyway, what I like about the the Mothra song, like the mm. the core of the hook is pretty much just. It's two notes in a three-note sequence. It's like you know, da da da, da da, da. Um, but then it develops into a, like a full melodic piece. Like you say, it's a bit morose, but mm. I I like I like the the actual piece. Um, and I don't want to oversimplify what it is they've done with the score, but I think and and that song, but I think some of the s- strongest and most mem- memorable scores. They have a very simple structure or a very simple melody. So if you think yeah. like, you know, Jaws, John Jaws. W- John Williams, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. The Two notes, you know, and then... They you- did
1: the same thing with Thanos in Infinity War. Oh, right. He, he's just two notes and it's very much like, it's very distinct versus the usually very noisy and hyper generic music that they would use in Marvel. It's like, oh... This is like signifying a presence, and it's a very strong a presence. So yeah, it's lifted from jaws, yeah, pretty much. But it's like it's
0: working. So it's, yeah, absolutely it reflects what you're saying. Yeah, and like you think of like Psycho with the stabs, mm. the, the actual stabs in, in music as well. You know, it's that's that's one note. Yeah, um, and like the Twilight Zone theme. I know that's a theme tune, so it's a bit different. But you know, it's just that's just three notes, and you know, yeah, you'll never so ever a, forget a, it. Uh,
1: sort of a hypnotic quality to yeah. That.
0: Um, so, you know, I, would liken it to like, um, you know, black and white photos. So where with a color photo, color is almost a distraction and you, mm. and you don't really focus on the subject. Um, but when it's black and white, you focus on the subject and the composition and, uh, you know, it's, it's not to say that, oh, it's, you know, it's just a couple of notes and that's it. Cause it, you know, it does build to a full melody, this Mothra song. And it get, I think it gets better as it develops. Um, but that's... that's. I, I don't like saying simplification because that's not what it is. It's mm. that kind of... Uh, almost limiting yourself in a way to you know, to come up with a melody. It just... It, yeah, it pays off dividends. Um,
1: it, it becomes a signature, doesn't it? And it can yeah. be used very slightly. And when it's not like a big full symphony of music, you can just put in those notes and with a good a sort of, when it's well established within the movie, you know what that means and it, it, it's very effective. And obviously that's, as you say, that's what has been used so, so broadly in, in different kinds of cinema. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's so well good done. Good kind of limitation. Yeah. You know, right. Why have 20 notes when two would do kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's lovely. I, I it's my favorite, favorite music in any kaiju film. Um, I love it so much. I have the soundtrack on vinyl.
1: Wow, is it sort of special in any way? You got a big like butterfly print
0: on yes, there? Yes. Yep. It has the wings on the disc. Ah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'll, actually, I'll post a picture on Instagram and Twitter. Where
1: where did you get it from? Is it? I guess it's all gone now. And these days, it was from
0: Waxwork Records. Uh-huh. They might have more. I don't know. It was a while ago. I got it. I can't. I, they do reprints anyway. They do reprints. Yeah, re- we'll look, yeah mm-hmm. definitely. Um, but yeah, in, in our flat, we we sing it a lot. <laughs> and like honestly, like we for the when did I get this Eureka disc? I like can't remember, like maybe so. a year or two ago. Yeah. Honestly, we've been singing it since then. Like, it sounds incredibly annoying. Oh man, it absolutely is, but to us we love it. So we, we sing we sing the Mothra song a lot. Um <laughs> uh so yeah, anyway, the with the, the musical element of this, I think it gave it a much more family friendly sort of um feeling to it, without it being too silly. Um, yeah, and it was ju- it was the right balance for me.
1: I I do agree that yeah, it's the perfect right. It's the perfect amount of silliness because it is a whimsical fantasy story, but it's not it's not too self serious. Um, but it's it treats itself realistically. You know, like they're not poking mm. fun at the little and twins. They're treated as like an actual thing, but they are kind of like whimsy as well so yeah. sort of way it's just, it's very easy to watch it and i would imagine at least um during its uh, original uh release and you know, its era of cinema children would have really enjoyed this yes um, yeah and, and that's because it doesn't talk down to you or or diminish its own fantasy it treats its fantasy as like legitimate like here it is yeah um and that's why good fantasy movies work when it doesn't like sort of talk down to you or Absolutely. act like And this is always a good example, and you see this so much in the superhero genre where they're just like, oh, what? Would you like to wear like a spandex suit? And they kind of make fun of themselves. And I always find that great, and I think you do as well. (laughs) Where it's like, we're just trying to, we just want to enjoy this, like, because it's silly. Um, Yeah. And I think Moffat does a really good job of that, where the drama feels like it's on a good level, where it's not too much, not too little, and it's not too silly, not too little, where it's like, it's fun, um, you know. And uh, you're allowed to enjoy it, is what I mean.
0: Mm, yeah, completely. Um, I wonder how kids nowadays would feel about it, because I think the the only criticism, really, the only criticism I have for this film, is it's a, a a touch a touch on the slow side.
1: I would agree, and I don't think I would have sat through this as a child.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't think I would have either. I think, no. like you're saying, like audiences back then, maybe. But yeah, I mean,
1: in the '60s, I think a kid would have enjoyed it, but yeah. me in the '90s, mm, nah.
0: no, no. Uh, I think that's probably because of films we grew up on. I guess exactly. Because you I, don't, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it takes 45 minutes until you see Mothra hatch, and then she, you know, then you don't see her in her full, full form until the last 20 minutes.
1: They all sort of suffer from this sort of not really knowing how much to show or not show. Mm. And Mothra does take way too long to turn up. And that is why we preferred the American version of King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. Because it teases you a little bit. And Godzilla versus Kong, which came out recently, does the same thing. You get a bit of Godzilla at the start. And then I'm happy to wait a little bit. Um, And I think as a child, I was the same um i think as a kid in the 60s i would imagine this would have been quite amazing especially if you were the sort who liked music and liked the peanuts and that like you know oh wow the effects it's making a lot of these these two little ladies it would have been really amazing yeah but in in the 90s going from jurassic park to this <laughs> i would have been like no yeah no. yeah yeah incidentally not to go off topic but almost all the compositing in this movie is absolutely dreadful <laughs>
0: so <laughs> it's is not good yeah uh, yeah um let's talk about that we'll get, we'll, to, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to the effects uh, yeah yeah. Yeah, it, yeah it's not great um yeah i i wonder if like you're saying like with the peanuts you know they're quite i maybe because they were i suppose popular at the time yeah that maybe that was the draw so like you're saying you know it's like well we don't need to have mothra show up straight away let's build some tension we've got some good characters here the p yeah, you know exactly the, the yeah. twins so i think yeah then Presumably, that worked because it was a, you know, it was a success. And know. they
1: reuse the peanuts and they keep the and twins and exactly. in, in later appearances of Mothra. And I think, you know, effects being a bit wonky aside, it probably would be fairly convincing to to audiences back then because even with the kind of blue halo you get from bad compositing, mm. it's still like, well, how are these small ladies there? It's like, you know, I think it would have been entertaining more so than it is now, and that's just films aging, isn't it? So. Yeah, I, w- I would hope that people would have really kind of liked it at the time, even if it hasn't sort of held up pacing-wise. Mm. Maybe people would have been more patient than we are. And this is the thing, like saying, oh, well, go f- go from Jurassic Park to this. It's going to feel like a bit of a slog until the big butterfly turns up at the end. Yeah. <laughs> but it- we different sensibility, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. The whole, like, um, pupation period of Mothra, I always find that a bit of a drag. Like, oh, they've got to spend a certain amount of time as a slug or whatever mm. it is until it becomes that and I was like yeah I know this is because of the character but I <laughs> i'm always just like it, it is a literal kind of clock watch for me which is like well now it is we got it caterpillar is. now cocoon and then moth and it's like yeah it's always that that repetitive element would be quite fresh I guess the first time you watched this in the 60s yeah so yeah it, it's only sort of become more slow with age I suppose and maybe yeah it wasn't so so uh, sort of laborious when it first came out.
0: I think, uh, is it Ghidorah, three-headed monster? I think that's the one. I'm not sure if you've seen that. I think I have. Uh, is that the one, I think this is the one, where she doesn't even reach her Imago form? She doesn't, she's Caterpillar the entire time.
1: Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember when I saw that, I, watched, I was like, yeah.
0: when is she going to become a moth? And it just didn't happen.
1: That's a thing, I think, where they do sort of go through this phase of being like, the moth skips a movie and it's it's like, oh, it takes a bit more time or it needs to be more uh, of an event. And it makes Mothra sort of special in a way that I do sort of like. If you think about yeah, yeah. a comparison I would make here would be Thunderbirds. Okay. Where it's like Thunderbird 2 is coming out, right? Every episode, pretty much. But when you see Thunderbird 3 or Thunderbird 4, <laughs> right, it's yeah. like, okay, right. And Mothra is basically like, you know, we've got Godzilla and we've got other monsters who are coming about. I mean, if, if, if Ghidorah is not... You know, doing it for you. I don't know what you know. Mothra being there isn't going to change things. You've already got this three-headed monster. <laughs> yeah. Um. To be fair, so it does sort of make Mothra like a bit of a novelty when they sort of stretch out. And I think we've basically done that in MonsterVerse. We we had Mothra in King of the Monsters, and then they didn't have her because they killed her. You know, in in Kong. Um, in sorry, in Godzilla vs Kong, but I think now they're going to do this. Are uh, they doing another MonsterVerse movie? I'm expecting Mothra to come back. Same, honestly. same. I because it, am it well. fits that sequence. So. Yeah, yep. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Because um, she didn't really do enough in in, in King um, of the Monsters. No, to me. And no, I'm like, come she on.
0: Didn't. Let's see a bit more. Considering she was the first one you saw, you kind of like you thought there was going to be a lot more happening. She shows up and gets gets done.
1: All too quick, and that—I mean—that's the whole problem with King of the Monsters. That it it teases you, and and the payoff is not enough. But yeah, we have a whole episode on that. So
0: yeah, go back and listen. Um, Yeah, Mothra is just she's so unique. Uh, She's both intimidating and caring, like almost like
1: Mm. maternal in a way. Formidable, Um, sort of force of nature, sort of thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, like,
0: and what I really like about her, where you have like Godzilla and others you know like uh, Rodan Anguirus whatever they almost like brainless lost animals you know they're scared they're smashing things cuz they're confused mm. whereas they're just that's... looking for that lady <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, whereas Mothra she's she... looking for a lady in a different way in a completely different way she's <laughs> she's so focused and resolute yeah. you know she like sh- she has complete awareness about what she's doing you know almost intent on wrecking stuff I would agree that she does have intent. Yeah, to to get back to Shobujin. Um, But it's without malice. You know, it's like she's not doing it because, oh, you know what, I can kill you, so I will. It's like, if you're in my way, Mm. you know, that's your problem.
1: I think you can argue that, especially towards the end of this in the New Kirk City sequence, she's kind of out of control and just angry and, like, giving back these twins and acting in the same way Godzilla kind of does which is like I'm responding to a signal and I'm here and I'm going to attack until these things get freed but I do still feel like on the whole and I agree with you like with, with what you're saying that like she's got more of a sort of agency than King Kong or Godzilla display it's like I mean King Kong and Godzilla are different in the modern ones where they're they're kind of more characterized in these more recent movies yeah um but yeah usually they're a brainless sort of hapless victim sometimes exactly but she she never
0: she never comes across as a victim at any point
1: you don't really see a movie where it's like mothra's attacking and we don't know why as far as i'm aware it's always like she responds to a call either from her fellow kaiju or from the show twins or some sort of economic um or ecological need that the movie creates and yeah yeah
0: um yeah she's a great unique character um and you know, it's not just her character that sets her apart; it's mm. her design. Because oh. when you think of like <laughs> when you think of um, like Godzilla, Rodan, Anguirus, yeah. lizards, lizards—they're di- all riffs of dinosaurs and and reptiles yeah. and things like that.
1: Even uh, Gigant with the circular saw chest is still like a version of Godzilla.
0: Pretty much, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, this this design—you know—makes full use of it being a color film. This is one of the first color mm. films, you know. Um, with a you know the orange and yellow striped uh wings and the white and orange body and like the the blue eyes uh a very strike very striking In contrast with the sky there as well yeah yeah exactly um yeah very striking design and it's not really changed all that much over the years yeah nice. it's it's right out the gate it's a very very good design uh yeah i i i love it i absolutely love her design
1: um well i would you say it's fair to say that she's your favorite kaiju really
0: i think king Ghidorah still is because i love how horrible he is oh the personality aspect yeah yeah mm. um but i suppose it would it would be a tough call between him and Mothra. yeah absolutely um yeah she's she's great love her love her um although Icon. sorry Icon. Icon. <laughs> Second only to Lizzo. <laughs> um, I, I've i never really liked her caterpillar form, though. Well, that's
1: because it symbolises a uh, waiting room, effectively. I was like, mm, uh, there's that. As, there is we're going to get there. There, there is some space. Spring attack, or whatever (laughs) it is, spring shot, the Caterpie move from Pokemon. Yeah. (laughs) It's,
0: yeah, there is that element to it, but also it's just, it's not very nice to look at.
1: Oh, you find it a bit grim, do you? I find
0: it a bit grim. In the concept art, she was kind of furry, but I suppose because she's splashing around in water a lot, they're like, well, let's not bother with the fur. Let's just make her, it's almost like skin. I don't know. It's just not very appealing. I like. Well, this. yeah, like
1: grubs like that do have like a sort of a, a, a interesting sort of skin texture. Mm. Um,
0: so, it, I mean, it it makes sense. Yeah, I guess if you don't like grubs, you're not going to like it. So. No, that's the thing. So when she spends too long in that form, not only am I just waiting for, like you say, waiting for the moth form, but also mm. having to look at this strange worm yeah um, you
1: feel you feel like you're getting blue balls waiting for mothra to turn up completely. and then they give you these big white balls <laughs> yes the, then she becomes a cocoon the big white testes this uh, isn't the worst example of the white balls the white of, the best mothra. the
0: best white balls are probably in um, all out attack
1: there's one movie where we spent the whole film just like cackling about the white that, balls. that but, was
0: that was all out attack i'm pretty yeah. sure uh yeah Brilliant. This is
1: the thing with me is that when you say to me, "Have you seen the three-headed monster?" I'm just like, "I probably have," but the names all they get they get jumbled up yeah. for me. And even the next movie is not called Mothra versus Godzilla, right?
0: No, it is. Is it? Yeah, I thought it had a different name. No, it's Mothra. Oh, the UK, the US title is um, There you go, Godzilla versus the Thing. That's what I'm thinking of. So I, yeah, I I
1: struggle with those names. Yeah. F- thank goodness the next movie is just going to be called Godzilla and Kong to just <laughs> Clear all that up.
0: So, you know, exactly which film we're talking about. We'll get nice. to that another day. Oh, what a title. Good God. <laughs> Good God. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Mothra's Caterpillar form. Mm-hmm. It was the biggest suit. That's seven feet,
1: feet little, isn't it?
0: Or high, more? Seven feet high. Seven feet high. Thir- I think it's 30 feet long. What? Yeah, huge. Oh, what, so there's like a guy at the front of it, like
1: pushing it along. There's eight people in it.
0: What the no. Yeah. It's crazy. It's huge.
1: Oh man, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, so it's yeah, I think it's the scenes when she comes when she's like, you know, traipsing across um Japan, like go through Shibuya and Tokyo and then gets to the Tokyo Tower. That's mm. that's uh that's the big suit. But, um, so
1: when they slither up Togo Tower, sort of vertical, does that a swap to another suit then, or do they just like string it up by some wires? That, that's a smaller one. They're, I think right, they're, they're so. That's s- where
0: I probably think there might be one guy in it, sort of thing. I, I think it's smaller than people. I think it's a puppet. It's a puppet. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, actually, there's thinking about these special effects and things like that. I mean, most of the effects, pretty much what you'd expect: miniatures, yeah. um, some composite shots. A big puppet, Blah. a suit. Yeah, wonky, as we say, very wonky. Every blue single screen. blue
1: screen shot is poorly done. I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna give them the benefit of mm. its age because this was their second colour film. Yes. I so, think probably you might
1: get away with that sort of sort of shadowing mm. in a black and white a bit more, or or the compositing would have been done a different way, yeah. Even. Yeah. Not needing colour. Um so yeah you're right but still it's like not a single shot that uses blue screen is is actually what i would call serviceable in the final film no it's it's really not good
0: uh mm. that is a
1: shame because if they, if they pulled it off the miniaturization of the the Shubhagen twins would have been quite incredible mm. but with a with a modern eye looking at it just like this is just like
0: i'd love to know what audiences thought back then as
1: well there must be re- reviews. If you went into the research, you could probably find a review that makes some sort of comment on the effects being good or bad, or 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 therefore or, or not mentioning them at all. And, you
0: know, That's the thing. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd really like to know because like it it seems so obvious. Like there's yeah. no way people would have thought. Like well, I suppose like you're saying, you know, it's, if it's like almost like a modern effect, people probably wouldn't notice. Maybe they're like, I'm oh, it like, looks wow, weird. How is this done? And then yeah, yeah
1: like you know, because the thing we we might. Uh, look at movies that we watched when we were kids and they looked flawless then. And even now, if they still look good, you're just like, well, I know how that effect's done. Mm. That's a puppet dinosaur. That's a CGI dinosaur. I know because of XYZ and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, times and sensibilities change. So maybe these composite shots just didn't stand out as much. But it really is, anytime you see the Sherbridge Twins uh, are made to look small against a, a larger person, they will composite it and it doesn't look convincing at all no, no. so it's a shame really but that yeah it could just be, be the age
0: maybe we don't know we don't see the same
1: <laughs> level of bad compositing in in, in, in other movies so it might no, be that they no. Just, i don't oh, don't
0: think i don't think so
1: they quickly sort of oh we need to do this a little bit more understanding the technology a bit better maybe on the next
0: movie and perhaps fol- following movies yeah was there any i'm trying to think now in king kong versus godzilla was there any
1: yeah there's a bit i think when uh, after they get after they defeat Kong at the diets building after he's climbed the national diet building oh, there's a shot yeah. where they sort of make they do a scale shot where he's in the background as like a large kaiju and they're in the foreground like sort of running away and it's still a little bit it's iffy, it's,
0: it's iffy but it's way
1: better it's than much much better
0: yeah this. yeah that was only a year later exactly um yeah so i think uh the miniatures in this man the best the best i think uh, i think mm. that I think th- there's kind of three standout sections. There's the Newkirk attack. You see the miniature city, um, and then the sections where she's, where Mothra's going through, going over Japan, mm. uh, you know, crushing through all the buildings and villages there. And then the the end of that sequence, I suppose, is the third one is the the cocoon, the the testicles on Tokyo Tower. Um, but yeah, like when she's going through the the city, like such it's so detailed like you see like phone booths signs you can even see curtains in buildings and stuff like that and it's just like it's just
1: unbelievably good I liked seeing all the cars sort of being hurricaned around in New York City (laughs) and you can tell it's like small little toy cars to be fair but like just the notion of it seems very like a modern Mm. effect and like that sort of like this is a serious like impact on the city from like the gusts of wind that created by the wings and yeah it's very kind of creative and it's like, yeah, this is a really cool sort of impact of showing you the the power of this particular kaiju is not just walking up to a building and knocking over with like a simple smack. It's like, oh, the whole presence of this creature is 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 having an impact on the location and that's really good and well represented.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um so we had and in, I in, uh, don't want to keep doing this, we're referring to other discussions, but in King Kong versus Godzilla, we had a rather lengthy chat about why didn't they use Tokyo Tower for, yes. uh, for when Kong went on the National Diet Building? I was like, well, mm. why didn't they do that? So in this movie, obviously preceding <laughs> it by a year, they used the Tokyo Tower. But yes. apparently they were going to use the National Diet Building, but they were like, no, that would look crap.
1: Exactly. And then they did Togo Tower, and it's like, well, what do we do for the King Kong one? Oh, we can't use Togo Tower because we got rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit more to it, though. As I understand from the audio commentary, they wanted to use the National Diet Building because they wanted to make it appear that Mothra was seeking out a location familiar to her home on the island she comes from, and that she was like, oh, I'm going to pupate here because it looks like home. Right. And then they decided, like, oh, let's not do that for whatever reason. Let's use Tokyo Tower. And okay. then that whole, that whole concept of her seeking out a familiar location was dropped from the story. But that is why they first wanted to do that. And then it was like, well, that's not. But they, it does feel like they then painted painted themselves into a corner with the <laughs> following movie. It was just like, well, if you if you watch these as a continuity – the building's been destroyed regardless of it being repetitive of of using it it doesn't even exist in the movie series technically Mm. so they can't go to tokyo tower and yeah had we you know seen or like realized that we maybe would have had a different discussion in the in the other episode but like yeah it it makes perfect sense when you see this and it's like yeah they kind of blew their load (laughs) on um because really mothra doesn't need the tokyo tower the way king kong does no Kong Tong needs a building to climb that is iconic and tall. Yeah, and Moffat did not need to kind of lie down on Tokyo
0: Tower. <laughs> not at all. Um, so they, sh- if they had the foresight, they maybe wouldn't have done that. But yeah, the Tokyo Tower, which she broke and wasn't even a tower yeah. anymore. Yeah, that scene actually was great. I love that because yes, like, really good. the way she's like she's going up there, like the military are absolutely bombarding her, and it's not even a scratch on her. Non-plus. And she's just like, no. yeah, completely nonplussed by it. Is and there just, a, just climbs the tower, a non- snaps it off, falls over. Like yeah, the, It's almost like they're not there. She does not give a shit. So the Japanese army used
1: these sort of heat rays mm. on her to mm. try and destroy the cocoon, and then it doesn't, it just hatches. Yeah. Is there <laughs> a notion here that the orange and yellow on Mothra's wings is caused by those bright yellow-orange heat rays? I was just
0: thinking that. I was like, yeah. well, I wonder if this accelerated her uh, metamorphosis.
1: Made her stronger. Yeah, they don't. They don't say that in the movie,
0: right? There's no they notion don't, of that. But I think you could hypothesise. Yeah, may as well. Yeah, I, let's go with it. Well, actually, actually, in the concept art, she had uh, like purple and blue wings. Oh well. So maybe they hadn't come up with the idea to uh, you know do the whole heat ray well, thing yet.
1: They could have thought blue against the blue sky doesn't work. Or we can't blue screen this creature, if she's blue.
0: Or they just thought about it really hard. they were like, let's have it. So her wings change when she gets attacked by the heat rays. So I think you're right. I think right. that was it.
1: Convenience <laughs> or otherwise. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Little, little
0: uh, sort of connection. Uh, yeah. So those are the miniatures. I think that was kind of it for the miniatures, right?
1: There's not really that many. They, they sort of come and go because actually, like, I think it's fair to say Mothra doesn't feature... Hugely, she goes to like three locations, and if you if you mm. want to be, stretch it, one of the locations is is the big pool, yeah, yeah, which has actually you can really see the the wall which they painted for the, the sky. <laughs> it's in, kind in of in wrinkly the full, in the blue Blu-ray version. It's like yeah, this is obviously just a wall painted blue. It, it looks and like think, wallpaper, right? Like I the I think dodgy wallpaper. A better than, <laughs> than other movies, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> maybe it gets cheaper. We'll find
0: out. We'll see. Uh, oh, were you going to say something else? No. Oh. <laughs> um yeah looks looks a bit a bit ropey
1: but uh, it it's does fine. it's like it's this fine. is the f- so what this is the first time you've used it in color so I guess they're like oh we need to I,
0: I think it is oh I- actually didn't the big pool come around for King Kong versus Godzilla I'm trying to think when they built it
1: but it's in this movie, so...
0: Is that actually the big pool? Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, okay, right. And the audio commentary for this Blu-ray confirms the existence of a small pool. It's not called the big pool just because it's big. It's like to differentiate it from another one. Oh. So it may be that they used a small pool on, you know, um, Godzilla and Raids or other yeah. movies. Because presumably these pools, which they're using for these massive Toho-produced kaiju fights, they're, make, they're making other movies in these rooms which might need big bits of water, right? I'd so, assume so, yeah.
0: You know um So uh, yeah, I mean for the life kind of, I don't know what you call these because they're not miniatures, but the like the life size sections, the the sets I suppose. The sets, <laughs> yeah, the sets get there in the end. Oh my goodness me! Um, there's only really two that I could think
1: of. There they was, reuse locations quite a bit.
0: So they have when they first explore Infant Island. That's where you get mm-hmm. the the vampire plant that attacks Shinichi. Um, that really reminded me of stingray, where yeah into- yeah okay you got that feeling too because it was
1: well just the, the sort of Jerry um, Anderson stuff in general yes
0: that I, or, yeah yeah it has the same kind of coloring I think and where it's
1: like color films new get some color on there it has that vibe makes sense it? so even yeah. Star Trek is a good comparison this is predate Star Trek but everything in Star Trek the original series is hyper colorful because yeah. color TV was new. At that point, same philosophy going into it.
0: I really like it. Oh. I think, I'm not sure if it's like a nostalgia feeling where it reminds me of stuff like, you know, Stingray and uh, Thunderbirds and stuff like that. Mm. But seeing that, it gave me a very cosy feeling. Well, you don't get um, it
1: so much these days. Like I know like at superhero all. movies we often reference are colourful, but they're not mm. um, They're not as garish as they perhaps ought to be sometimes. I think yeah. they tried to conceal it a little bit. It's just like, no, I want it. I want to see like the pop in. Colors. Absolutely. And that's absolutely. why, I like the the fight scenes in in Godzilla versus Kong, so much. That you know, Shanghai climax was like that. Oh yes, yes. You know, this is what digital four K footage is for. You know, absolutely. as much as it was back when they invented color film. So
0: yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, and then the other set actually was also very colorful. That was the the egg cave where they yes. do the dancing and and stuff like that. And I find that one's probably the most interesting for two reasons. One. Is because I think they base some of it off um, Easter Island, which is mm-hmm. a po- Polynesian island, because uh, they have like the, the the, I mean they're just stone heads there, but like obviously the Easter Island has these giant statues with large heads, um, and I'm a I'm a big Easter Island buff, so seeing that very pleasing to me, um, and uh, the this and the other reason I like it so much is because you have this kind of flora and fauna surrounding the egg and it kind of tunes into this natural mysticism that mothra has uh which i feel separates it from stuff like you know uh godzilla where it's like you know dinosaurs you know it's got more of a sci-fi they have more of a sci-fi gray grittiness to it um this like seeing this i guess i guess because it's color film they want to make it colorful but like i feel like it really tunes into that um you know that 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 element I think is unique to Mothra.
1: You could argue that a failing of the story perhaps is that they talk about these nuclear attacks on the island, nuclear testing that's been done there, but they never really kind of commit to explaining the small ladies or the giant bug. And it's like, well, you know, like Godzilla is is a gritty kind of gross modern monster as you say in, in yeah. contrast to Mothra because he is a as is, is like the result of like um, nuclear um, experimentation in some of the versions and sometimes he's not, sometimes he's just an ancient creature right? Mm. Um, and Mothra's just like oh she's an ancient creature but also there was nuclear stuff here so it's sort of like it doesn't choose which one of those things it wants to go with. Yes. And that's a I- slight sort of like muddying of the waters from the screenplay but whether or not it's worth caring about is debatable.
0: You're absolutely right. I think I think it is covered more in the book. Right. Because um, all, all, all but, the God stuff is there. And, yes. Yeah. Um, and I think they had planned to do some more explanation of how they all survived, but it never... I think it was starting to bog it down too much. Mm. So, but it's interesting because the first thing that popped into my mind was how um, I was like, oh, it's so colourful, there's so much life there. And it reminds me of how the Chernobyl site, the nuclear site, is now, like, kind of teeming with life. Oh, not, right. not completely, but, you know, life is starting to come back. And it it reminded me of that. Obviously, this predates the Chernobyl incident by, like, 20-odd years. But it kind of accidentally ties into this nuclear theme. Like, <laughs> not, not intentionally, but it's, you know, it sort of does. And I really liked this idea that, you know, the life flourished in spite of the nuclear testing. and yeah. Uh, yeah, I yeah. really like that aspect, whether intentional or not. Uh, it's interesting, actually, with Mothra. Is this... I can't figure out if this is the first Mothra to ever appear because she hatches from an egg, right? Which would imply there was a Mothra before. Is it the same Mothra? Did that one die? I don't know.
1: I th- I think the fact that they, the Peanuts have an entire repertoire of songs <laughs> designed to call Mothra <laughs> on suggests that there have been mothers before Uh, but what scenarios they would have existed in and why they they aren't seemingly known about to the wider world is its own sort of flaw Mm. perhaps but it's not really important is it it's just like you reap what you sow you stole these little ladies (laughs) it's cultural appropriation um and he he pays for it despite the movie itself committing its own cultural appropriation sins, but blah 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 oops Covered that already. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> ironically, forward-thinking without ever sort of being self-aware. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, did you have a favourite moment from this?
1: Um, I really liked actually the the stage performance when the Shevchenko twins were first sort of brought out and forced to sing because I liked the notion that. The audience and their captors are sort of like gleefully enjoying their like their music and oh yeah yeah this is great, um, but they don't realise what the twins are doing that they're like calling for help and that that Mothra is going to come, and I like a scene where people sort of do misunderstand the thing that they are meddling with and then reap what they sow. So I liked that that story element. And it was refreshing, as I said earlier, that this movie has such a strong narrative compared to so many of the Showa era kaiju movies, which are usually quite happy just to kind of be A to B conflict and um, done sort of things. This felt like it had characters who were kind of fish out of water here and there or dealing with things they don't understand and then you know getting a comeuppance out of it um see so yeah, i like that scene because it sort of encapsulated like what the movie was really sort of that was the, the catalyst for the most drama and it was different from other kaiju movies
0: i have the same favorite moment well there you go there it's you so, go so good. it's it's so good and the way it's edited as well is fantastic like when when they're singing it then kind of cuts to the island and it has like a echoey version of the song playing mm. really well done um
1: so it's like it's resonating within the sort of yep. temple, sort of cave area that they're. Yep. They're in. So
0: even though it kind of cuts to the you know the the blackface section, it's <laughs> still really really good. Yeah, and that's that.
1: That's the thing with the blackface is that it should be noted if we didn't already that it's not really done maliciously as much as it's done ignorantly.
0: The, well, that is the problem. But <laughs> well, it is a
1: problem. But I mean, it's not like you're watching it like oh, this is actually making. Um, you know, these people look stupid no, 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 based no. on their race. It's 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 still bad, yes. of course, but it's not an outright attack as much as it's still kind of offensive. And it, it's it's the better half of the two things if there is sort of an argument to be made there that like at least it's not insulting in a sort of, you know, making a farce of them yeah, so much yeah. as being just like, you, you know, these this is so naively done that you wish they had just thought about it a bit yeah, harder. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, same moment, same reasons. It's a, uh, it's mm. a, it's a great bit, absolutely brilliant bit of, of the film, um, and obviously you have that song there, which is just so good. It's just yeah, perfect, absolutely perfect moment. Um, so, it's quiz time. Oh god. Oh yes. So <laughs> I we got four questions. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think if these are. I think you'll do quite well this time. All right. I, Mm. Let's see. Fingers Let's crossed. see. Okay, right. Question one: Which of these is not an alternate regional title for the film? So, which one is not a title? All okay. right. Which one is the one that you've made up? Exactly. Uh, Mothra, the Winged Messiah. Mothra, the Wild Goddess. Or is it the Invincible Wonder Beast? The Messiah one. Yes. No.
1: Yeah, you got it. I, was, I don't think they would stick Messiah in a in a title like that.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. You're
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be too touchy back then. Probably now as well. Actually, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, Unless it's actually Jesus Christ, they're not doing it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there is a lot of um, this is something I found quite strange. Oh, obviously, we're in the middle of the quiz. It's probably not the best place to put it. But <laughs> um, there's that whole relig- religious aspect of uh-huh. mothra i found really conf- actually quite confusing because i was like are they implying that i think the Reliscan government they knew that there were people on that island they just didn't care that they were doing yes, testing, right?" i think that's the implication and but the the parallels that Relisca has with infant island with their religion the symbology and the music their bells make the same tune that mothra sings it's like is it, are we supposed to think like oh, oh they are them descendants uh, wait well, <laughs> well, this is the thing is it are they them or is it that they went to the island they brought missionaries along or something and taught the, the villagers there about their own religion you know it, it leans into this whole you know christianity god thing and like well, there's the thing, this is whole is, like, in,
1: a, in a world where Kaiju's literally exist what would the belief system be would you really have a, a christianity or I I don't know. You don't know. I mean, this is to assume that Christianity is made up, which is obviously debatable for some listeners, perhaps. Um,
0: But, I mean, like, you have those, is it there, like, Catholic priests in Relisica? Yeah, so,
1: like, religion still exists as we have it. It's always a bit, yeah. And is
0: the idea that Mothra is, like, a biblical figure? Like, you know, she... They don't really talk about it much, really, in this film, but, you know, the death and rebirth, you know. Uh, She's almost, like... Yeah, a bi- biblical figure like Jesus or something. It's like, and I don't know if the parallels between realistica and infinite Island are intentional or if it's just I'm overthinking I think
1: it. I think the bells sounding the same is probably just because they're some, from the same sound library. Probably not more than that.
0: Well, no, <laughs> no, because they the the bells that play over the top it's the same melody.
1: Oh, the melody. Yeah, the melody uh, for the bells is, maybe, is the oh, same. I mean, maybe the wind of Mothra's wings just uh, wings just like makes it happen.
0: <sighs> I don't know. I mean, you could but dig I... into the
1: whole realistic thing of like, is it America? Is it Russia? Is it both? Why did they not just say New York City? And it feels like a kind of.
0: I think they did. They didn't want to have a dig. They were like, "Oh, we're."
1: Ha- that's why I assumed is that there was like you know, let's not push any buttons with this. It's
0: um. Yeah, it's clearly they, America. Well, yeah, I mean they took a whole section out, really, because there was what, in the
1: in the American version or just Germany. Oh
0: no, in, in in the movie because like in the book there was um, much more of this kind of um, political struggle, I suppose, because in after the Second World War there was a treaty in place between uh, the U.S. and Japan, yeah. where it basically it granted the U.S. complete control of their military and their bases yeah. and stuff within Japan. It's a very um, different podcast, but yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> really interesting stuff. And then in 1960, yeah, there was a, a revised treaty where it it granted Japan more power.
1: It was the walking of it back. It's like okay, you Can't, behaved yourself. Y- yes, let's give you some more freedom. Effectively, but
0: that still upset a lot of the Japanese nation because they're like, well, mm. we don't want this treaty. We want total auto- autonomy.
1: Yes, yeah, the Brexit type thing, even. Yeah. Effectively. Um, yeah.
0: So like that's that featured quite heavily in, not that exact treaty, but this idea featured quite heavily in the book, um, which was then stripped out.
1: So then portraying America as an outright villainous thing might be in the like, This is too overt. Yeah, I think But then they still t- call it
0: New Kirk City. Yeah, it's I, like, I think it, they didn't want to be too. <sighs> yeah, you're just right. Just make it's something obvious. up there.
1: Because, like, Relicia, right? Sounds a bit like Russia. Yeah, that's it. So then they're like, oh, well, it's both things because maybe some Cold War commentary, but like kind of non-committal. It's just like they obviously don't want to tread on any toes, but they're still saying enough that you have questions. And I would rather them just be like, oh, it's just like some totally made up country or, uh, you know. It's just, it's just a bit, it's like a, they could have done a lot a of it that we've criticised. Obviously, we've, we've praised the movie a lot, but with the kind of like explain Mothra's origins kind of gets left off the table by the actual movie. When by, by the time they make the movie, that's all still in the book, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And same thing that you're saying, like, well, there was more in the book about this country. and It's like they've left it out to the point where it's like now the, the movie seems to be kind of lip service <laughs> to this novel that wasn't even a book. and
0: Yeah, it's almost raising more questions. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, if you're going to have a dig, Do it properly. Or don't. Or don't don't at all. Yeah, it's... uh, I think they didn't want to be antagonistic, but they still... Basically, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's why they did it. But anyway, so that's question one. (laughs) (laughs) Which leads us actually quite nicely into question two. Oh! Uh, So, what are the three colours of the Realistican flag? Oh, I know. Oh, let me read the answers first. Okay, okay. Steady on. Come on now. Uh, Red, white, and blue. (laughs) Uh, Red, white, and green. (laughs) Or, red, white, and yellow. Red, white, and yellow. Yes. It's two like the sun, two. isn't it? Yeah, because I think it's meant to be like the Soviet Union flag crossed. No, no.
1: What? Stop it! We're not we're not drawing any aspersions <laughs> here.
0: Yeah, so they wanted a completely unique flag, and that's the design they came up it with, was completely not based on anything. And utterly
1: unique. Thank you very much. Yes. So moving on.
0: Question three. <laughs> What language are the lyrics for Mothra's song based on? Is it A. Tahitian B. Indonesian or C. Maori Tahitian Wrong Oh, sorry It was Indonesian
1: Oh, it's because I was stifling a sneeze, I got it wrong
0: Yeah, sure, sure, that's why (laughs) Uh, So apparently they hired a... I think they hired a uni student to translate their Japanese lyrics into indonesian was like an indonesian student Hmm. um yeah i thought it was quite interesting um okay question four last question which moth species 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 is mothra largely based on is it a the eyed hawk moth b giant silk moth or c an atlas moth Mm, atlas incorrect is it
1: there's a giant silk moth
0: it's the giant silk moth yeah I thought so uh, that's that's a
1: popular one because it's the one that's uh it's an animal crossing and I was like mm.
0: oh is it well uh, oh, that's I, a shame I bet that's why it's an animal
1: crossing is the thing
0: yeah <laughs> perhaps okay so how did you do you got two two out of four yeah which is yeah that's fine it's better than the better than the last one yeah exactly in some circumstances Good job. And I didn't um, sneeze. <laughs> uh, yes, well done. So. Maybe I'll do you, Chris, one day. I was wondering whether you were going to. I I've been, Honestly, every episode I wait for you to do it, I'm like, you're going to do it to <laughs> me and it's going to absolutely derail me because well, I, w- I won't have a clue.
1: I wouldn't want, to, we kind of two <laughs> quizzes and I wouldn't want you to go to the trouble of preparing a quiz and then leave like, hey, I've got a quiz. So if you want me to do a quiz, you, you let me know and you'll get one.
0: Uh, if you want to do a quiz at any point just do it oh, Okay. even if we have two who cares
1: well you have to wait now so it's a real surprise yes yeah oh god
0: oh now I'm even more nervous okay right so overall thoughts of the film so I uh, you know what it's it's weird because I think I I don't really have that much to say because I I love this film so much I, I really... I absolutely love this film. Uh, not to say it's one of the best ever. Um, as we said, like, you know, the, the pacing's a bit... Yeah, mm. you know. Um, it's the same issues a lot of them have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which we could chalk up to it being a, an old film, really. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I like all the characters. I, you know, I like the variety of characters. They're well-acted. It's well-cast. I like the fantasy story. Um I love the uh, I love Mothra's design. Uh, I love the music, strong narrative, right level of light heartedness, you know, with the comedy and the and the drama and stuff like that. And I think just everything about you know Mothra herself and the film are just so stand out from what we've already come to expect so early on. Mm. And I, I think Mothra, as a whole, is just you know inimitable, uh, she's so utterly unique. And it's just so well done. I just honestly, I can't just, I can't say enough nice things about it. I, I know we, we criticize a lot of stuff to, you know, the absolute bitter end, um, but I, uh, for this one, I don't know. I can't, I can't really, <laughs> I can't really criticize it too much because I think it's just, it, it's, it's that good. I, I absolutely love it. It's got a big place in my heart. Um, yeah, I, I love this film. I really do. Mm. What about you? I also
1: really, really enjoyed it. I think it does. It's a, it, it is a slow, but wonderfully varied movie. Mm. Um, you know, so many things do happen. It's got probably the best cast we've seen so far in our kind of watch through of these movies. I think, um, it's, the story's great. Um, And yeah, you know, some effects issues aside, it's so creative with the small people and the different kind of kaiju and the locations. And like, love Tokyo Tower as a location and getting to see it kind of get destroyed and all that. It's just like, yeah, I I I think it's a really robust, well-rounded family fantasy movie. Um, and really, really enjoyed it. And it's 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 detractors, which there are some significant, some less significant, are almost all down to age, um, and. That's a shame, really, because it it does make it a little bit harder to recommend, I think. Um, Yeah. But it's a quality movie, undeniably, and I think it serves as a blueprint to the rest of the the Showa era much, much more than you'd expect, because it doesn't even have Godzilla in it. Um, There's no versus (laughs) match-up here, but production values-wise, story-wise, I think... You know we are gonna see a drop off uh, the more show we get through eventually we're gonna hit that wall of quality we know it's coming right mm-hmm. we're at the high point here though this is this is the what this is the, got a gold standard in in many ways what you want as a well rounded but not perfect movie um and as yeah. I say the, the imperfections are more glaring as, as time goes on both technically and culturally um but it doesn't take away from the fact that good movie you know yeah um, yeah just have to take it as it is
0: it's yeah so uh, as we we always kind of come at it like you know can newcomers come to this uh it's a bit of a uh weird thing to say i suppose um for like a film that's the first in the uh in a franchise because it's like well obviously they can come to it because it's the, it's first, the first one, one. Yeah. you know so i suppose it's better to say like you know is it is it worth watching? So like you're saying that, is it, you know, can you recommend, like you're just saying, you know, it's a difficult one to recommend. It is a bit. I mean, yeah, it's light enough to watch and it gives you a solid background of Mothra. It's got good music and blah, blah, blah. All of that, all that stuff's great. Um, but yeah, it's the it's the slowness, the age, the questionable representations, all that kind of stuff, uh, enough to make you go, make you question whether to recommend it, I think.
1: Yeah, it, it's undeniably uncomfortable for for large sections, I would say, mm. and definitively, in my own opinion, I would say that Mothra is a fantastic historical artifact that is well worth watching. But I would not recommend it as purely entertainment. It's here as a significant part of the the kaiju, you know, history and the, the Godzilla series because you know once it gets you know, um, brought in in sort of like you know the cinematic universe kind of way but yeah if you're saying to me like, oh I'm new to Kaiju should I watch Mothra I'd be like yeah do watch it but from an intellectual standpoint regardless of how entertaining it is mm. to me I wouldn't recommend it in any other way than this is an uncut historical artefact that is worth your time if that's the sort of thing you feel like signing up for
0: um, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's got Hiroshi Koizumi in it so that's always you know ex- extra points Peanuts maybe balance out a bit <laughs> yeah uh yeah no that's a good way to good way to wrap it up i um, might
1: feel differently about this once we come to watch um mothra versus godzilla because if that serves as a uh, a worthwhile reintroduction mm. to mothra that might make it easier to say like you know what skip that one and just go straight to that but we'll have to see how much blackface is in that one before i can I, say that
0: i have seen it right years ago and i
1: i can't remember it but neither of us are above saying these do sort of you know yeah. sort of ball up into one big thing in our adult minds yes <laughs> no matter how much we try to to avoid that um wait till we get to the movies that reuse footage it's going to be a nightmare
0: <laughs> look forward to that So now it's time for uh, Kaiju Corner. So, or is it Kaiju Arcade today? Is it? Yes, is it, it is. It? Is the is the answer to that? So, what is this section, Graham? For anyone new listening, who might not know what the hell it is, I'm just talking about now.
1: Well, usually in Kaiju Corner, we take a moment to focus on the other. Uh, areas of culture that godzilla and other kaijus pop up in so you know if there's like uh, a brand deal with some nike shoes or a special pinball machine or a video game appearance by a kaiju that's something other than the movies that we want to talk about so we kind of create this little space where we can get away from the films for a bit and just enjoy kaijus in their
0: sort of cultural corner if you will yes exactly um so for the last episode we recorded king kong versus godzilla we didn't have kaiju corner no so sorry about that we talked Uh, for too long we talked for way too long and we couldn't subject you all to that because we it would have been too long a a very very long episode (laughs) so we, we had to cut it uh so on the last kaiju corner we had which was the king kong 1933 discussion if you want to go back and listen to that uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned what I considered one of the very few good kaiju games in existence, and it was Attack of the Friday Monsters on the oh, 3DS. Oh, yes. Uh, so, well, today we're going to talk about a new one. Which a new is kaiju video game. A new kaiju video game called mm-hmm. Dawn of the Monsters. So after our discussion, I was like, well, there must be more than just this Attack of the Friday Monsters. You know, there must be more worthwhile kaiju games out there to play. So... Um, that's why I started looking around and I came across Dawn of the Monsters. So just a little disclaimer here to everyone. Uh, I spoke to WayForward Games, uh, the uh, WayForward, sorry, the game publisher about this, as it looked like my kind of game. And they were incredibly generous and gave me a, re- a review code for this. Hmm. So just so everyone's aware. Uh, so yeah, Dawn of the Monsters, it's a kaiju-based side-scrolling beat-em-up by... Right by 13am games now as you know and maybe some people listening as well beat em ups are my favourite genre of video game mm-hmm. so if we've That's got a-
1: your comfort food in video game form oh
0: absolutely so if we've got a kaiju based one I'm a happy bunny frankly
1: are there any other significant kaiju sort of uh, beat em ups or belt scrollers as some people like to call the genre where you you know you sort of rampage your way beating up enemies from from left to right
0: not that I know of. I think on the Game Boy Advance, there was a Godzilla game that had... It was side-scrolling, but not really a beat-em-up as such, uh. from what I remember. That was a long, long time ago I played that, so I can't really recall. Mm. Um, but yeah, really, as a as a traditional beat-em-up, no, as far as I know. I don't know. I This, this is the only one I've come across anyway, so... People listening, let me know if there are others. Um, so uh, yeah, as far as I know, this is this is kind of the first the first one, or at least the first decent attempt at it. Um, so, what
1: did you think of "Dawn of the Monsters"?
0: So, I was taken aback actually how in depth the story was for it because hmm. I, I thought it was just going to be a uh, you know stop the baddies, fight the big one at the end. But there's there's more to it than that. And there's these a l-
1: are completely original kaijus, aren't they? It's, this is not Godzilla related or any sort of existing franchise related, if I'm that's, not mistaken. That's, that's correct, yeah. They're all so original it, characters.
0: In this, they're called Nephilim, not, not Titans or kaiju or anything like that, mm. um, as such. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of like um, supplementary archive materials within the game that you can read separately to kind of bolster the lore within the game. And I think it's worth reading because I think investing yourself into the story actually just makes the game a lot better. Because I I did expect it not to really have a story, to be honest. Often beat-em-up games don't. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. You know, Some of our favourites don't really have that much story.
1: They almost all just get to the end and beat the biggest bad guy and he's a bad guy and now you've beaten him and it's the end. Exactly. I'm not usually looking for more than that, but you know, now we've we've come through gaming, we're in a more modern era, right? and there are so many um beat 'em up games. It seems fair that they start to sort of evolve the genre a little bit and add in yeah. some narrative. I mean, Streets of Rage Four um definitely had more story elements than the previous three Streets of Rage games from the mm. '90s, so it's definitely sort of tracking along with the, the the trend.
0: And I think there's been a bit of a, a resurgence lately in beat 'em ups. So now that's started to people are thinking, yeah. How Give are we it gonna some variety, make this better? Yeah. yeah. Um it's really this game really reminds me of Tokyo SOS and Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla. Mm. But actually in a good way, as listeners will know, we weren't huge fans of those particular films. Um maybe maybe you were more of a fan than I was. Um But this this game actually made me look at them in a different light, and I actually want to rewatch them now.
1: Because it reuses the same narrative idea, but you get to have some agency over it, perhaps. And
0: Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it just works better as a game, then.
1: Some stories probably do. And yeah. often, when games are translated into movies or TV shows, people say, oh, it's just like watching a game. And that can be a positive or negative thing, mm. really. I mean, people said that watching The Witcher TV show was just like watching a game. And I was like, well, yes, because that's a, <laughs> it's, that, it's a good game and these are the stories or whatever. But yeah. Um, sometimes it can be really negative, but I think sometimes you do watch a movie and you're just like, I'd much rather be playing an active role in it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, the elements that I think remind me of those movies is like, because um, you, you have um, pilots mm. that, you know, um, control these mechs. Mm-hmm. Um, you have like some human conflict within the team because they, they need to stop these Nephilim basically taking over the world. Um so yeah, there's a, there's a team uh set up to stop that. Um and then you know it's set a bit further into the future as well and you know those millennium era movies they had they've seemed to be set further in the future. And even the hangar where you see um two of the kaiju being stored that you can play as looks similar to the hangar where Mechagodzilla was being stored in those movies. I suppose I
1: mean I, I know you've not seen the series but I suppose there probably is some um, Neon Genesis, Neon Genesis Evangelion DNA in here.
0: Quite prob, quite probably,
1: and probably a bit of Pacific Rim, which is largely inspired by Evangelion.
0: Yeah, I did get some kind of Pacific Rim sort of vibes from it as mm. well. So yeah, there's one criticism I do have about the story, though. Uh, I feel like it can feel a little disorienting because you have these things being mentioned within the game so, like for example there's something called Project Raven and something sure. called Triple Incident Triple uh, Incident
1: yes not Third Impact then what's that? that's a major story point in Emangelion
0: interesting okay so <laughs> uh, like you know the idea is for this stuff to become apparent as the story unfolds but I know I have a problem this might just be me where sometimes I don't know what information is relevant to me yeah I can I, appreciate that yeah, and I don't really know what to retain or prioritise when I'm recalling it. So, you you know, you're kind of taking in absolutely everything that's that's thrown at you. And I, I, I find it a little bit overwhelming. I feel like there needs to be a bit more context and explanation when you're thrown into a completely unknown world that's mm. already got quite a rich history. It sounds...
1: It sounds from what you're saying, I mean, I've not played the game when you have in this uh, situation, but it sounds like the the game is very sort of all-encompassing of, of kaiju influences uh, in a positive way, not yes. like in a sort of a ripping off. It's is it's right? Yes. I would yeah. guess that if I was playing this, I um, not to say the story is good or bad because I've not experienced it, but I'm not the sort to go into a back catalogue of textiles as you might and read up on a story. Mm. So would you say it's fair that you can enjoy it sort of like as a dipping in and out of a Saturday morning cartoon type thing where it's like got that vibe of seeing a few episodes here and there but not seeing it every week and you're sort of getting the the flavour of a rich story just as a genre trope where yeah. you can engage with it or not if you choose to.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Right. You, you definitely can. Um, I think, yeah, this is where it might just be a personal problem for me because I want to know. Right, and, 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 and I guess you
1: can, of... though, if you go back and read the things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right. You can jump into this without reading a single thing if you if you didn't want to.
1: The the story unfolds. It seems like it's mentioning things like uh, triple incident to deliberately sort of peek you and just like oh yeah, that's like you know this other thing that I know, and it's it's sort of deliberately sort of playing the role of um, a pastiche, a, a, a loving pastiche or a sort of affectionate pastiche of kaiju stuff.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's right. I think that's um, fair, to, it's fair to say. Looking um, at
1: the images of it, it has a really nice sort of comic book art style. So um, super colorful.
0: That's the thing like so the art style I didn't fully get it actually when I first started playing it sounds strange because like the title screen was so colorful. Mm. I was surprised at how limited the color palette was for like the the backdrops. So the playable characters are very striking, very striking. But against that backdrop I was like oh I expected them to be at- equally as colorful. But I since read that the art style is actually reminiscent of Mike Mignola, who did Hellboy. Mm. And knowing that, I was like, "Oh yeah, they nailed it. That is exactly that is exactly right." Yeah, it, you're
1: right. With these big, thick, black, uh, very yeah. heavy line weights, and then there's some striking, like big blasts of color. Yeah, at exactly. certain points.
0: Um, it reminds me of um, Beautiful Joe. Those games. Yeah,
1: the sort of. Um, Beautiful Joe almost has like a collage sort of art style to it, yeah. where the elements are separated out, but the the artwork is very much like this sort of super thick, chunky. Um, the the shading on all of the muscles and stuff is very defined.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, very very well realized art style i think
1: mm, gives you a good sense of scale there's one image i'm looking at here, here where there's a big s- sort of swathe of um white across the front and then the back of the the kaiju is all black so it's like strong light and shadow and yeah yeah they, they look big actually when i look at it, it it has a very good sort of angles that they've used to sort of accentuate the size
0: yeah uh and the music's really good as well actually um i find as you as you the more you play as you get closer to the end of the game really mm. sets the mood for all the twists and turns you know and the the events that unfold it's uh yeah really good um, how would
1: you rate the combat itself compared to something like river city girls or something older like uh golden axe like is it very sensitive so, button mashy stuff like
0: no it's uh, it's not button mashy it's more uh, combo based it is it is more combo based, so it sort of plays how I always hoped the SNK King of the Monsters games would play. Oh
1: yeah, which I hear so, aren't that great, really. Yeah,
0: but. I mean they're like they're like wrestling kaiju fighters that that don't really have very good controls, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, but this is this is a lot more satisfying and kind of plays how you would expect it to. But yeah, it's a lot more yeah combo focused. Like you couldn't just keep hitting the you know the light attack button and that's it. You've you've won the game. It's it's sort like... of picking up in
1: the uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world sort of era of beat-em-ups that we're still very much in, I guess.
0: Yeah, so you, yeah, so yeah you, you kind of have to think about what it is you're 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 doing. Mm, you know, Different enemies
1: have a different approach rather it, than just like, exactly. you know, get in where you can. I mean, yeah. I love the classic beat-em-ups like Final Fight and um, Streets of Rage, but they can be one with one or two buttons and mm. every enemy is basically the same. Yeah, yeah, I liked exactly. it when I played Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and you could enjoy sort of investigating different approaches to different kinds of enemies. Yeah, uh, d- did you play this alone, or would it be good as co-op? I'm assuming it's got co-op. I mean, how many players can sit and play this at one time?
0: Uh, it's two-player co-op, which I didn't get to do. I see. You yeah. can play it four-player then. Not that I could see, because mm. uh, there are four playable characters. So you get the two kaiju you could play as. Um, there's Megadon, who's kind of based on Godzilla. Yeah. and Genera, It's like a kind of lobstery crab thing, kind of like Ebera. Um, I found I preferred playing as the kaiju over the mech um, character, which is The Tempest Ultraman type characters. Yeah, 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 exactly. You get Tempest Galahad and Aegis Prime. Aegis good Prime. Names. Yeah, they are very good names. Um, they're faster, but I preferred the big powerful hits and the, uh. the weightiness of the kaiju. Um, sorry, the Nephilim. Um, as... It just it was more satisfying to play that way. But it, what I really liked about what felt unique about this was the uh, there's like a rage mechanic in the game. Okay. Where as you're fighting and doing combos, you're building your rage meter, which you can then use to restore your health by performing certain actions, um, or you can use it to uh, for, for special moves and things like that. And as you do these special moves you then build a cataclysm meter which is like the big the big attack you can do um and that that kept all the fighting interesting not i mean you do have a variety of enemies to defeat which does keep it interesting but having this mechanic i felt sets it apart from just being a button mashing beam up mm. um which is it was very unique and it's, it's very appealing without being too complicated which is which i think is important um because the more complex a game is the less inclined I am to play it frankly which is probably why I like beat up so much <laughs> so yeah it's uh, just the just the right level of complexity for me it's nice um, when
1: you get a game that gives you a few options uh, of what level you want to engage with it at um, based on the, the story elements this supplies to you and the complexity of its sort of combo system. It feels like it, it achieves a sort of couch-cop, sort of play-along sort of vibe, but you can go a bit deeper if you want to, I suppose.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, I, I played it from start to finish, finished the game, got to the end. Uh, yeah, very satisfied. Uh, mm. It was, yeah, straight-up enjoyable. I, I really enjoyed it.
1: So you would recommend it?
0: I would absolutely recommend it. It's very well put together, good mechanics, great music, great art, nice story. Um, and, you, yeah, you can tell that they knew what makes a good kaiju story interesting. You know, it's not just having Monsters Hulk smash their way through a threadbare story. You know, there's there's something there to, to grip onto. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I uh, if any of that sounded appealing... It's yeah, I I would recommend it to to anyone. It's if if especially if you like beat em ups, you know, it's yeah, it's right up my alley. So I'm sure it'll be up yours too. <laughs> so where can you play it if you are so inclined? Um, it's on everything I think. So it's like I played it on the Xbox on the S- Series X because it has a that's in 4K. So I was right. like, that that's nice, very nice. Um, but it's on it's on Switch as well. It's on PC, PlayStation, you know. All, all the ones you'd expect. Hmm. Um, yeah, great fun. Loved cool. it. Really, really did enjoy it. Um, I think there's some DLC coming. So they might
1: add a four player, perhaps co-op.
0: Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. It seems logical.
1: Yeah. If there's enough room on the screen for all these, these guys to <laughs> be moving around. Uh,
0: yeah. So yeah, that was that. That was that. Um, yeah. Great game. Really enjoyed it. So thank you, WayForward, for that. I. Uh, had a great time with it. Um, Yeah, I think that that's kind of it, really.
1: So I guess what we should say is what movie are we going to watch next time?
0: That's a very important thing to bring up. Thank you, because (laughs) I always forget to kind of mention this stuff. Um, So the next movie we're going to be watching is Mothra versus Godzilla, or as it's known in the West, Godzilla versus The Thing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that 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 will be the next one. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. I would love to refresh my memory on it because I have completely forgotten it. I don't think it's as good as Mothra, from what from what little I remember feeling about it.
1: I haven't watched it yet. You? Oh, you have not seen it? So I will be. I'll be experiencing it anew. And I'll, we'll see we'll, mm, see. we'll see. It's we'll one see. of the ones i have not seen. Yeah. Probably okay. because if I ever saw the title Godzilla vs. the Thing, I would have been like. Ugh. I wouldn't, have wa- I wouldn't have wanted to watch that versus, like, you know, something with Mecha Godzilla or Ghidorah in the title. If mm. I know that the thing was Mothra, maybe I would Shows the uh, level of in- insight I, I apply to these. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. So I think, is there anything else we need to mention? Anything else you want to mention, Graham?
1: Well, if people are wanting to send us game codes or God knows what else, where are they going to contact you, then? <laughs> uh,
0: you can contact the show on monster island radio on instagram or on twitter it's monster island rp uh or you could uh, message or comment on youtube you know there's any way you could think of there's probably a way to reach us so any of those platforms you you can find us um i also have my own personal instagram account where i've got my drawings and stuff like that uh last episode i i plugged a uh kong picture i drew Mm mm-hmm um, which is available for purchase. But this time... But this time, baby, we've got a Mothra picture that I've drawn. Wow. So I'm, I'm plugging that this time. The print is available on my imprint store. If you go to my Instagram, you can see... You, you'll find all the links. Um, yeah, so if you, if you like the look of the Mothra print I've made, then, you know, go ahead and buy one or like it on Instagram or something like that. That would be lovely. Um, if you would like to rate us on Apple... Or Spotify, please do so. That would be lovely. Uh, or like our video on YouTube. We'd appreciate all that stuff. You Share want-
1: your ideology with uh, Monster Driver Radio.
0: Please do. Uh, really, we we do love hearing from you. Everything. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we'd love to speak to you all. Um, so yeah, please please get in touch. Mm. What about you? What, what else? What else have I missed? Anything? No. 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 Great.
1: So just so, so- happy to be here. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Looking forward to another. Chatty time, yeah. kaiju,
0: kaiju chatty time. <laughs> was a rejected title for this podcast. <laughs> um, so, until the next episode, Bye-bye. bye bye.